Hello, lovely people. Welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a PYP Teacher. I'm Lou Gerlach. I'm with Think Chat, and welcome to Confession 119, where we're going to ask ourselves and hopefully answer what key and related concepts live here. Now, this is my personal opinion. There are five things that are most underused within the PYP based on my observation of working with thousands of teachers. And the, the five things are the central idea, the lines of inquiry, the key and related concepts, approaches to learning or the ATL, and the learner profile attributes. And as you listen to that list, you're probably scratching your head and asking yourself, um, aren't those majority of the elements of the PYP? And I'd be looking at you and say, yep, you're correct. And the reason I made this controversial statement is that some schools, maybe not yours, but there are some schools that are out there that are playing at PYP. What do I mean by this? They put up nice poster sets on the wall. They have a unit display that's pre-laminated. We talked about those laminating queens, right? before they have a program of inquiry up and they create units on a planning template or um, utilize a management system like Toddle. The IB logo is proudly displayed in the office, you know, on the rugs on the floor, on um, shirts or hoodies of school uniforms. But the school does not live and breathe the philosophy of the PYP. It's only a thing that they teach or do. And I remember Paul Campbell, who used to direct the IB Global Conference. He asked a profound question while attending a coordinator meeting in Texas, where I live, before the pandemic. Now, there are many IB schools in Texas which is really fascinating because we have one of the most heavily scripted curriculums proposed by our local government. So that dichotomy right there um, is really fascinating. And it spurred this question um, by Paul. Does Texas have IB schools or schools offering the IB? So now let's apply this to our learning and our identity spaces. Are we an IB school or are we a school that is offering the IB? If we're an IB school, then this philosophy spreads throughout everything we're planning and everything our learners are doing. So this week I was provoked by this idea and a question um, posed by my friend Uni Santosa, who is a grade one teacher and an IBM member at the International School of Ruhr in Essen, Germany. And she inquired about this topic that we're exploring. Hmm, is this the criteria based on visible aspects such as see and hear? So that really got me thinking about this whole purpose of this success criteria. Right now, we've been basing um, what we see um, visually in the classroom. But let's not forget that our learners should also be able to speak about them in their daily practice. We've talked about the central idea, the lines of inquiry, 
they're talking and, and making those connections, right? And this is a daily thing. It's not about a one and done and then bye-bye because children can't transfer it if it's not repeated and it's not visible in the practice. So that impacts how we plan. It's about making all of that language of the PYP come alive just as any other vocabulary list that we use to make sense of learning. It's not a separate list, a wall, or display. Instead, your whole room should be PYP and not this minuscule little bulletin board that you put the language of the unit on. Because what you put up tells you and your learners and the school community what you're spending most of your time doing. And if it is a pre-printed and pre-laminated word wall and number lines and that sort of thing, it's sending a message that you're a very traditional teacher. Ooh, snap. I'm saying all sorts of controversial things right now. I'm sorry and not sorry. Oops. Okay. It's because I had an apple right now. I'm sorry. So I know many of our early years and specialists and supporting teachers, office staff and leadership were shaking their heads and saying, okay, that's nice, but this doesn't apply to me. And this is the problem. It's not just um, uh, elementary or primary homeroom teacher's job to teach the vocabulary of the PYP throughout the day. And let's be even more clear. It's not the job of the fifth or sixth grade teacher in preparation for the exhibition. It belongs to the entire school community. So one possible way to begin with this idea was sparked by our old friend, Shaila Jadat, the PYP coordinator at Horizon Japan International School in Kanagawa. She suggested that concepts begin with and then or, uh, uh, we're looking at them whether they're relevant, challenging, significant, or not. And once again, Shailaja made me stop and think um, based on her critical and creative thinking. And so I then looked at what Uni was posing and what um, Shailaja was posing and kind of like put them together in a way is how do we make key and related concepts engaging, challenging, relevant, and significant for our learners. And this made me reflect back um, to the purpose of inquiry and the thinking, the inquiry thinking strategies um, that I put together to show engaging, challenging, relevant, and significant skill development. So how do we connect them to our key and related concepts? And how is this reflected in the classroom environment? Man, challenge accepted. You ladies, you brought you brought it and now I've got to explain it. So now we're going to spiral back and apply the inquiry thinking strategies with the key and related concepts. Remember, um, the inquiry thinking strategies can be found on um, in the document Think About Inquiry, which is um, on my website, which is thinkchat2020.weebly.com. I will post the link below in the descriptor of this podcast series. So are you ready for to go on this journey with me? Perfect. Just a reminder, engaging. To engage is more than having fun. It's awakening the mind to think and connect. 
So how do we make the process of using the key and related concepts more engaging for our learners? Now, there are some strategies I'm going to present that you're going to say, I don't know how I can do this with my early years or as my role as an, um, an art teacher. So you're going to have to think about how can you adapt. Now, there are some examples of a lower elementary in this as well as um, PE, um, school counselor, um, that sort of thing. So I'm thinking of you as we go through this. So the first one I'm going to focus in on is the engaging strategy. I'm pulling from the list, which is called the fishbowl, but I'm going to modify it according to this practice. So there's going to be a first round, which we're going to focus in on the related concepts. You're going to split the class into two main groups. One's going to be the action group, and the other is an evaluation group. When you split them into two, you're then going to split um, the two roles into, so there's going to be three smaller um, action groups and three smaller evaluation groups, um, just to make it more manageable. So you're going to have an action group that's, that um, goes around a cluster of desks or a small table, okay? And they're going to be separated around the room so that you have some space. And then what's going to happen is that the action group is going to be given a bag of random materials that connect to the unit content. And they're going to be given two to three related concepts, the, the two to three related concepts from the unit, and they're going to be asked to sort the bag according to those related concepts. Of course, you've unpacked what these related concepts mean. You have to do that background stuff before you can go into this. Meanwhile, so just imagine this, picture it in your mind. You've got one, two, three small groups in, around diff three different clusters in your room. Those are your action groups. They have materials that they're sorting based on the two to three related concepts within your unit. Got it? Around them, each of those clusters is an evaluation group. And the whole purpose of the evaluation group is to take notes of the sorting process by utilizing the Project Zero visible thinking routine, Think, Puzzle, Explore. So just a reminder, this thinking routine asks learners what they see and their connections. So in this case, it'll be the materials sorted by the related concept. So they're gonna, that's what they're going to write down for the think. Then they'll write down for the puzzle any questions that arise based on how the materials were placed. Then they're going to pose some ideas that could be explored further when resorting them themselves. That makes sense, right? And once that's been done, so you've got this one group sorting, the other one evaluating with the visible thinking routine, then they're going to come together. And once that visible thinking routine is complete, the evaluation group is going to give feedback to the action group. They'll discuss their ideas on their Think Puzzle Explorer and express what they see, right? So that what they think, what, what are their questions and what do they want to explore more? And they're gonna see, is that what was the intention of the action group? 
and they're going to calibrate the similarities and differences um, because that's really important and have that dialogue, right? And then what's going to happen is after we have that dialogue, then all the groups are going to go to, um, so there's three groups, remember, three small groups, three clusters. And each group's going to go to each cluster to see how different or similar did they group these materials. So it's very important that you have very similar materials in each bag for this to work. That makes sense. And so how it works is then they're going to, you're going to do the gallery walk and then you're going to come back and um, we're going to um, uh, debrief what are some of the similarities and differences that we saw between, okay? And from the lens of an evaluator, not from the action group, okay? Because the evaluator, remember, their role is to see the similarities and differences. That's, that's their role. So now we're going to have a second round with this same materials. And what's going to happen is that the now the evaluation group is going to become the action group. So they're going to switch roles. Their job is now to engage with the key concepts of the PYP. And if you don't remember what they are, the two Fs, form and function, the three Cs, causation, change, connection, and then P and R, perspective and responsibility. When you sort it like that, man, it stays in your brain. So their job is to take the key concepts and they're going to redistribute the materials and look at them to try to see the key concepts in action. And this time they're going to be required to show the connection between the key concept and the line of inquiry. Ooh. Ooh. And since, as we talked about, since you pick lines of inquiry, Based off of concepts, bam, there you go. So we're testing to see can they make that connection. Meanwhile, the evaluation group is using Think Puzzle Explore to capture their thinking and what they see, and they're going to replicate the same process um, in the first one where they're going to use that Think Puzzle Explore to write down what they think, what are their questions, what they want to explore further. We're going to do a gallery walk again, and then we're going to share out. Why is this important? Because now you're putting the students in the driver's seat of how they see or what they see is the connection between the content they're exploring and the uh, concepts that are helping them bridge. And this is a physical way for them to see that connection before you go into it further. I would do this at the very, uh, like within week one of your unit, latest beginning of week two. Okay, so now let's move on to challenging. Challenging um, is to challenge is to confront uh, misconceptions and stretching ideas to a place of discomfort. What does that mean? That means getting children to unlearn and relearn. Ooh, yes. So one strategy I love, love, love is called Claim, Evidence, and Reasoning, or CER. This is a strategy that's normally used in science, but I love it so much that I use it in all subjects. That's right. All right. And so in table groups, 
what I do is I provide them one to three key um, or related concepts um, from the unit. And what I'm trying to do is that if I have, let's say, four table groups or five, I'm trying to make sure that they don't overlap as much as possible. Okay. You might have some because, um, but that's your choice. One to three. Then what I'm going to do is I'm going to have them, and the reason why I provide choice is then they can choose which concept they want to focus in on. That makes sense. And what I also do is I try to pre present a definition, um, a definition that is at kid-friendly level but is quite rigorous, okay, because um, that's important. So in table groups, I'm going to give them that concept, and then I'm going to um, – basically have them make a claim. So for instance, um, I might give a kid-friendly definition of, um, of a concept, and then that could be the claim. So for instance, culture is a set of shared attitudes, values, goals, and practices that characterizes an institution or organization. So that is a very dictionary definition of what culture is. That could be their claim that that's what a culture is. But now comes the evidence. They need to provide evidence of the concept and action that supports the claim. They can now go into the classroom and look at books and magazines and videos and blogs and vlogs as evidence. So example, in the book, Yang and the Youngest and His Terrible Ear, we learn about a Chinese family that relocates to Seattle. The family is dedicated to many things within their culture and their love of music. The parents teach music within the community and expect all of their children to participate, even Yang, who doesn't play very well. And to save face, he asks his friend to pretend to play for him since he's quite talented. All right. So that right there could be an example of where culture is driving um, action, right? So now comes the the reasoning why does that matter or how does that um re, uh, evidence support the re, um the claim Whew. so now this might be a uh, a reasoning in my culture we're expected to save face to our community so it doesn't bring disgrace on the family this can come in the form of behavior grades careers and whom you marry I connected with Yang because he has a lot of responsibility placed on his shoulders, even though he is quite young. He can either show what a terrible violinist he is to his parents' clients, or he can pretend to have his friend play for him. If I were in the same situation, it would be tough to make the right choice. Now we're trying to give some meat of reasoning of why that, that book matches that claim. We're backing it up. And that's what we want for students to do. Next one, relevant. Um, relevant is to find relevance in reflecting on prior and current experiences and delving into their implications. So one of my favorite um, relevant strategies is called providing utility value. Utility value answers these questions. Why am I learning this and what can it be used for? It makes application of learning to real-life situations and potential careers. For example, let's say we're learning about the needs of plants, right? And we're tying it 
through the related concept of conservation. Remember, conservation is a careful preservation and protection of something. So we're trying to protect something from dying, okay? And to make this meaningful for your early learners, you invite a local florist, a nursery owner, a botanist, a park ranger, um, someone that is regularly engaging with plants and have them share why plants are so important to our lives as humans. Have them show what conservation looks like, you know, at their level and what we can do as everyday citizens to conserve as well. Now this is providing actual value to what is conservation. It's not something like um, recycling. No, it's come down to how can we take care of plants better? And it also shows real jobs within the community in action, supporting that related concept. So powerful. Now, the last one is significant. To find significance is bridging issues from our local experience and finding the commonality of the human experience around the world. Now, I have shared this one in the, in the past, but man, is it my favorite. Projecting across distance. Because this visible thinking routine goes deep about global issues. We pick an issue that might be looked at differently from around the world. And we look at how is this issue viewed in our local community, another city or town within our country, um, a country east or west of ours, a country north or south of ours, and then a country across the distance. So here's an example um, looking at it from the lens of PSPE, of we're learning about health and the condition of being sound in body, mind, and spirit, right? Because that can be a definition of health. So we first look at the general health within our community. What are the healthy trends that are happening and what are the unhealthy habits that might need to be changed? Then we can take a, a look at another city in our country um, since I live in the United States, maybe I'd want to examine the general health of people that maybe live in New York City. You know, are they connected in body and mind and spirit by living in such a hectic city? And does everyone have access to that, you know, body-mind um, balance? Or is it just some people? So if I were to go country east or west of mine, it would be Australia. And how do they balance out their um, personal, physical, mental, social health and spiritual health? What does it look like in school when they're having their personal time and within um, cities versus the countryside? So country north or south of mine is Peru. Does everyone have access to health care? Is mindfulness built into the school day within the culture? And how do people deal with stressful situations in their country? And then lastly, a country across distance might be the United Arab Emirates. Um, with such a hot climate, how does everyone find balance between their body and soul? Because you could be sitting or staying in your AC a lot. And are people generally healthy there? And if not, what are the main reasons, right? Now we're going and really making this um, about the commonality, but 
Health oftentimes is looked upon as a topic, but when we're looking at it from the condition of being sound and body, mind, and spirit, it's a little bit different than having a balanced plate, right? Very different. And so we could be doing that with early years. We could be doing that with, um, uh, you know, any type of specialist, a supporting teacher could teach that. So as you can see, there are different ways to tease out the related and key concepts throughout the, using the inquiry thinking strategies for different ages and subjects. The main factor is for anything that we do is consistency. We have to use the key and related concepts throughout the day and plan with them specifically in mind or else they're not going to get taught. So now it's going back to the PYP classroom success criteria and the conversation we had with uni. Now we've talked about a lot of behavior and what we're doing and evidencing the classroom physically, but how does that now look like in our classrooms? So something I've done that I really like is post the key and related concepts in different parts of my cl classroom because it, the unit wall can get very bunched. I want my whole classroom to speak of the PYP, but maybe with the related concepts, I leave them on the board and the key concepts, something that I've been um, testing out is having the key concepts be a permanent fixture in the classroom. And every time that we interact with those key concepts, which there's gonna be overlaps in the year, we build on those examples. And so as we go into another unit where maybe those key concepts are being repeated, then we just keep adding to um, the examples that were there before. And what's really nice about that is now the students are seeing the key concepts go throughout their practice, go across different subject areas, um, within specialty areas as well, and they're getting multiple iterations of what that concept looks like. One thing I do differently is that I is that I am utilizing the key concepts all the time. I am teaching myself what does this vocabulary mean? And I'm constantly in my brain saying, how can I use them explicitly with the content that I'm teaching? That's hard, but it takes practice and it takes effort. And the biggest indicator to me that concepts are being used intentionally in the classroom is if I'm seeing them intentionally planned within the unit and within my lesson plans, if I'm regularly utilizing the language of the key and related concepts with my students and my learners are able to respond authentically as well. Woo, so much this week. So. We asked what key and related concepts live here, and I think you walked away with quite a few examples. Thank you so much to Uni and to Shailaja again for your inspiration and your thoughts. And now we're going to chug on to the next episode. I hope you join me.